The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Yo, hey, you're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcasts, and this is the very first episode. Obviously, I am Drew, and I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. Uh, I started watching when I was way young. I don't even really have a uh, first memory of wrestling. Um, I do remember a lot of Bret Hart. Um... And, like, right before the Attitude Era, like, New Generation Era. Um, But I don't have, like, a specific match or anything uh, that I saw. My older brothers were both into wrestling. And that's how I naturally got into wrestling. And it just became something that I continued to watch uh, and enjoy. Um, So, obviously, growing up in, like, the... Uh, prime age of the Attitude Era where my first memories of wrestling were formed. I have uh, a very nostalgic, uh, sentimental, emotional connection to the Attitude Era, and I feel like that is the best era of wrestling. A lot of wrestling fans will probably um, agree with it. That's when wrestling was its hottest, uh, pop culture-wise, when it got the best ratings, Um, but people always look back on, uh, times when they were growing up, uh, as nostalgia. So, like, for my brother's ages, they feel like, um, the 80s, the Hogan era is really the best, um, time of wrestling, because that's when they're growing up. That's what they look back on nostalgically. So I'm kind of very spoiled as a wrestling fan, because my first memories are of this great time period in wrestling. And I probably should not have been watching wrestling at that time during the Attitude Era, but it was the 90s, and nobody really cared. The culture was changing, and that's uh, and, re- and wrestling was reflecting that culture change. Um, then in the 2000s, I watched for a little bit. Um, I remember the very first pay-per-view that I saw live was No Way Out, and it was No Way Out 2002, I believe. Um, 2002, yeah, it was No Way Out 2002. It was, ironically, the uh, or coincidentally, the uh, No Way Out, where the NWO returned and showed up in WWE, so... As a wrestling fan, you'll notice that the name of this podcast, Drew World Order, is obviously a parody of the New World Order, the NWO. So this podcast is the DWO, and there are going to be a lot of wrestling puns and phrases um, that I use throughout uh, the podcasts and the segments um, with my name. So you'll notice how instead of New World Order, it's Drew World Order. I have a bunch more of those later on for my segments. Um, 
And uh, this isn't going to be a typical, normal wrestling podcast. I listen to a lot, a lot, a lot of wrestling podcasts. And most of them do reviews um, show by show. So they'll review Raw, and then they'll review SmackDown, and then they'll review NXT, and then they'll review AEW all at uh, once. And what I'm going to be doing is switching it up a little bit and reviewing the show's uh, all together within um, the same segment. Um, so uh, during like the, the review, which I'm going to be calling the redrew, see, there's one of those puns, um, I'll be talking about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW Dynamite. Uh, those are the main shows that I watch. I don't have the channels that uh, Impact are on, or Impact is on. I don't have the channel that... Uh, Ring of Honor is on. I used to watch Ring of Honor and Impact when I did get those channels, but then I switched uh, services, and so I just stream. So I only get uh, AEW and WWE. So those are the main things that I'm going to be talking about. So if you're looking for something uh, deeper, as in uh, being like a diehard hardcore fan, um, where you're... you're um, where you want New Japan, something like that. That's really not what I'm going to be talking about because there's already a lot of wrestling content to um, to try and consume. Just WWE alone is almost 10 hours. Um, and then on top of that, there's AEW. So that's mainly what I'm going to be talking about. I don't really know much about the indies. I do not claim to be a smart fan I just watch it for entertainment, um, and I do enjoy it most of the time. Uh, I do have my critiques, which we'll we'll get to. Um, uh, but anyway, I just went on a long tangent. Uh, so let me get back to what I was talking about, which, if I could remember what I was talking about, would be helpful. Um, anyway, yeah, mid two thousands. Um, I watched in the mid two thousands. The NWO showing up in No Way Out 2002 was my first very uh, very first pay-per-view that I saw live. And then um, I ended up... I didn't see WrestleMania 18 live. I watched it the next day. A buddy of mine had uh, recorded it, had recorded it on a VCR. Um, so <laughs> it makes me feel a little old that it was recorded on a VCR. And then uh, I watched it the next day before Raw. Um, then the next year, that was the very first year I watched my first pay-per-view, or watched my first WrestleMania Live. That was WrestleMania 19. My parents specifically went out and got a cable box, a cable satellite box, just so I could watch WrestleMania, which was so cool. Like My family and my parents have always been very supportive of uh, just really anything, but, you know, watching wrestling and me enjoying wrestling, um, because my whole family, my parents watch wrestling, and, uh, my oldest brother watches wrestling, and we're all in this, um, picks pool that we do for each WWE pay-per-view, and, uh, we make picks for each pay-per-view, who we think is going to win the match, and then we do a couple of prop bets, like, what we think might happen, um, and that's fun, we've been doing that the last couple of years, and I'm the commissioner of that, the general manager, whatever you want to call it, um, to put it in wrestling terms. And I just uh, 
update the list and keep track of the picks and collect all the all the tallies and everything. Um, it's pretty fun to do. It makes the pay-per-views a lot more interesting um, because I was getting to a point where the pay-per-views weren't really interesting to me that much because um, I'm I'm more of a story type of wrestling fan. I like storylines. I like promos. The wrestling, I can kind of take or leave it. Like A lot of people like all of the... Um, moves now, the high-flying, flashy moves, like, that stuff I do enjoy. It's very athletic, very cool to watch, but it doesn't, like, wrap me in. So, like, for example, at Revolution, AEW's previous, uh, the last pay-per-view, the tag team match between Kenny Omega, Adam Page, and the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson, they had this great match where everybody loved it, it was like 30 minutes, and it got six stars by Dave Meltzer. Um, and I was just like, I, th- I thought it was like 10 minutes too long. Because it was just like, all right, like, get this match over with now. Like, it's it's just, you know, move after move after move after move. And it's just like, all right, come on now. Like, end this match. Like, how much more can these guys go through? Um, so I have like a funny, uh, weird rating system. And... Um, if you don't agree with my viewpoints, that's cool. You're entitled to your own viewpoint. You're entitled to like what you like in wrestling. Um, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the chance to at least listen to my viewpoints and um, giving this a chance to uh, uh, to try to engage other wrestling fans because um, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this. I mean, it is something I've always wanted to do. Um and so I'm doing it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so I'll get back to... I'm going on a lot of tangents. I end up doing that. I tend to ramble, so sorry for the rambling, but hey, it's my podcast, so you got to just bear with it. Um, so WrestleMania 19, first uh, live WrestleMania that I watched on cable satellite, but there was something weird that happened. Like, half of the pay-per-view was in black and white. Like, the full color wasn't showing through. I don't know why that happened. Um, I didn't watch it all the way through. I remember I ended up recording the main event, the last couple of matches. um, And those were in color. Um, Somehow we fixed the box, and it was in color. I think I ended up, like, hitting the box or something, like, which was something I used to do with um, video game systems, like old NESs, uh, Nintendo Entertainment Systems, or like Sega's, if it wasn't working properly, you kind of just give it like a pop, and then it somehow started working. That's what I did for the cable satellite. I don't know why, what made me do that or think that that would work, but it did work, and the color came on. Uh, and then that really started my, um, my fandom of watching pay-per-views, and I started just out with the big four, which are WWE's WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and Survivor Series. So every year, I would get those shows. My parents would buy those shows, and I would watch them. Um, then as I got a little bit older into the uh, like 2005 and on, I started getting older, and I kind of drifted away from wrestling a little bit. I still liked it. I still kept up with it, but... A lot of that stuff is like foggy for me because I wasn't watching every single week. Then around 
2010-11, I, I started getting back into it. Like, once I went to college, um, I started watching again every single week. And uh, the whole CM Punk storyline in 2011 really drew me back in, no pun intended. Um, and then from there on out, I've been watching pretty much every single WWE show and pay-per-view since then. Some are great, some are not so great. Um, so that is uh, my fandom wrapped up in a really long, tangity type of uh, segment. But if you have any questions about that or um, like who are my favorite wrestlers, uh, Bret Hart, because he's my first favorite wrestler, and then uh, nowadays Bret is still my favorite wrestler because he's the best there is, the best there is, the best there ever will be. Very technical wrestler, never hurt anybody. And that's super important. Now I watch wrestling and it's a, uh, it's more for like artistic, uh, value. Like I remember it it was the 2006 Royal Rumble and I heard Triple H say to Rey Mysterio in the ring, Spinebuster. And then right after that, a Spinebuster happened. And that's when things started clicking to me that there was something more going on in wrestling other than, like, these two people just, like, beating each other up. And I was like, wait a second here. Like, what is going on? Like, so then I started to figure out, like, oh, there's actually, like, an art and a science to this wrestling. Like, there's a lot more going on. And these people are working together for entertainment's sake. Which then I was just like really drew me in for um, like uh, the love of wrestling. Like, oh, these these people are actually consciously putting their bodies through this athletic, strenuous activity just to entertain others. And there's really no other type of entertainment like wrestling. It's live theater. It's Shakespeare. It's Broadway. It's acting it's a stunt show it's a comedy show it's it's a a circus it's a carnival wrapped all into one that's uh and that's where its roots are as well where the wrestlers work with each other to provide entertainment and to get people's money um and so it's just like such a such a cool fascinating production especially like wwe wise like it's a massive global production and it's a it's something that is helpful to uh, make me escape away. I don't have any um, any delusions that it's like real or anything like that. No, it's it's scripted. It's you know choreographed, just like pretty much any other type of entertainment, whether it's a TV show, a movie, whatever. That's all script entertainment. Wrestling's just a live form of that. Um, so I really like the the artistry of wrestling now and that's what I look for the artistry and the and the storylines in wrestling and so that's probably mainly what I'm going to be focusing on in this podcast this is the first episode so I don't really know where it's going to go how it's going to be and I'm going to be 100% honest I am not uh, a broadcaster I'm not uh, somebody who's been trained in, uh, communications or public marketing or, or, or editing software, software, anything like that. So I do have a little mic that's connected to my phone, but that's about all the professional equipment I have. Other than that, I'll be 
briefly, uh, barely putting the shows together on my computer, like editing them together. But other than that, I'm really not going to be doing too much technical stuff because I don't have the skill set for that. So it'll be interesting as well to see um, how often I do this and how much I adapt and my skills grow in all of those departments as well. Um, so thanks for joining me on that, on this journey. Um, and, uh, sorry, I got distracted. I do have a run sheet down so I could kind of have uh, a little, a semblance of what to talk about. Um, but it's weird just like babbling into a microphone, um, and just like talking to nobody. Or I mean, right now I'm talking to you and you're listening. If you made it this far, thankfully, uh, thank, thank you if you have, I don't know if this is good content or not. Um, but it's, uh, like a weird experience. I'm not in a studio. I'm literally in my room, uh, staring at a computer screen with a rundown on it. And, um, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Um, so if you have any questions or anything like that, I'll put all my plugs in at the end of the podcast so that you can reach out and uh, ask questions or give comments or give ideas because uh, I'm definitely looking for more ideas for content. So let's move on to the news and notes section of the podcast, which is what I like to call Drews and Notes. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. This segment is called Drews and Notes. It is basically news and notes. It's news outside of the ring, outside of the shows, and the big news that's uh, been ever adapting out of uh, the wrestling world this week has been WrestleMania. WrestleMania, because of the coronavirus and all this stuff going on uh, in our world, this pandemic, WrestleMania has been... Um, put, uh, has been moved, I guess, uh, is what I should say, has been moved locations to the WWE Performance Center in Orlando. It's supposed to be in Tampa Bay, and it's moved to two days, which is interesting because um, Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan was moved to two days uh, this year as well, and so... Um, WrestleMania moving to two days. I don't know if that was the original plan for WWE to move it to two days. Um, but it's certainly something I'm very interested in to see. Plus it makes watching the pay-per-view so much easier. Like WrestleMania is a long pay-per-view. It's like seven, seven and a half hours. If you watch all the pre-show, which I do, I, it's on... Uh, local time for me, 5 p.m. The pre-show starts, and the main event doesn't go on to WrestleMania until like midnight. So that's seven hours of wrestling, and it's just a lot, a lot of content on top of everything that was leading up to a Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT Takeover, the Hall of Fame. Like it is uh, an immense amount of of 
content to consume of wrestling in one week. And sometimes it does get tiring, but it's something that I also look forward to because, you know, it, it only comes around once a year. I actually went to WrestleMania uh, last year. WrestleMania 35 it was my first WrestleMania live. I look forward to going to more. Um, but like as a wrestling fan, especially like a WWE fan, it's like you got to get to a WrestleMania if you have the chance. Like it's such a cool atmosphere. You're surrounded by like the most hardcore of fans and like it's WrestleMania. I don't know how else to describe it. It's the the be all end all of wrestling shows. Um, so I was highly entertained by that. Um, the uh, first pay per view that I went to was Royal Rumble 2015. That was when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble in Philly, and I'll never forget any of that because that Roman got booed out of the building, and it was so cool um, just to experience all that because it was a pretty historic moment for at least Roman Reigns career and WWE because that's when all the fans really turned not all the fans but most fans turned on uh Roman Reigns to start booing him because people felt like Roman was getting uh crammed down the fans throats which like somewhat I feel is true um but the other part is like you know it's it's wrestling it's entertainment um try to take it with a grain of salt um you don't take other shows personally like I, I watched the bachelor with my girlfriend i don't take that personally um that it's like bad booking or whatever like <laughs> it's just a show um or bad writing like it's just here for entertainment um but anyway yeah 2015 royal rumble royal rumble is my favorite pay-per-view so that it was cool that that was my first live pay-per-view that i went to um and then i've been to uh, four summer slams yeah, four SummerSlams in Brooklyn, because uh, I live in the Northeast of the United States. So I, I've gone to four SummerSlams. I've been to uh, the four takeovers that were in Brooklyn, uh, but I haven't been the takeover New uh, the uh, takeover New York last year. That was before WrestleMania. That's the only takeover that I haven't been to at the Barclays Center, and that was like a weird, eerie feeling because I was there. Um, in the city or around the city staying in my hotel but I wasn't at Barclays Center and it was the first takeover that I wasn't there live um so a lot of the matches and memories of SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver of those four years really mold together because of the same location um and same routine just year apart um obviously I do remember uh the Sasha Banks Bailey match was incredible um, that was really the first thing or the first memory that pops in my head when I think of, um, those weekends, that was just like, I'll never forget that feeling, that intangible moment when the crowd was just going nuts near the end of that match. Um, and then the other main memory I have from that is, uh, from those trips are, uh, the SummerSlam where it was AJ Styles versus John Cena. I can't pinpoint which year it was specifically but that match when AJ Styles kicked out at two after the avalanche uh AA which I like to call the FU because that's what it was originally John Cena's AA attitude adjustment the crowd just went crazy and it was something that like I didn't expect I'm 
because I've watched wrestling so long, there's not a lot of the times where I get fully immersed in it and, like, disbelief is suspended and, like, I'm surprised. So when those moments happen, it is such a cool feeling because it, like, brings you back to, like, this is why I love wrestling because it brings these emotions and makes you feel things that you don't typically have with the surprise and happiness that this moment happened or this person returned or something, whatever it is. Um, so those are my two big wrestling memories from, um, the SummerSlam NXT trips, uh, from the four years I went to SummerSlam. Um, but sorry, that was a long tangent. Anyway, WrestleMania, went to WrestleMania 35 last year, and then now this year it was scheduled to be in Tampa and moved. Um, this is a pretty controversial move. I'm not really 100% sure how to feel about it. I'm very conflicted. Like, on one hand, I think it's going to be really cool that it's going to be a very unique WrestleMania. There's going to be no crowd, which I like and dislike. Um, reports are it's going to be taped, which... You know, I don't really like, but I totally understand why WWE is doing it business-wise. They want to keep people as safe as possible. Um, and so they're trying to avoid travel issues for everybody and all the logistics of everything like that, of, you know, the closed sets that um, WWE has to have for these, these shows. Um, I originally thought that the best idea was to just move WrestleMania, like postpone WrestleMania, not because it is moved, but postpone WrestleMania until like the summer when all this coronavirus stuff kind of, um, uh, not necessarily was over, but was, um, relieved and, um, more resolved and, uh, less worrisome and less, uh, concerning. And I don't want to talk a lot about coronavirus because everybody's living in it right now. And it's such a weird time. Um, I'm not working, like a lot of people, I'm not getting paid like a lot of people. Um, people I know are working from home. Um, and so it's just very bizarre, like going out <laughs> into the world that like you're not supposed to be going out. Um, you're supposed to be staying in, which is pretty much my lifestyle anyway. I'm, um, I, I've, been, I've been practicing social distancing and social isolation for quite a long time. So I'm pretty much a professional at it. Uh, at this point, and that probably explains one of the reasons why I'm a wrestling fan. Um, but anyway, uh, moving off of coronavirus, um, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing this too, is like, it's a little bit of an escape for me that to just get away from the real world of what is going on. And wrestling's always been a place where I could immerse myself in and, uh, escape. Um, so hopefully that's doing, uh, this podcast is doing that for you as well. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, uh, how you watch wrestling and, um, what your thoughts are on the WrestleMania movement. So it's two days. WrestleMania is two days. Um, that is pretty cool. That's exciting. Um, just cause I have something else to watch on Saturday. I'm pretty sure they have moved the hall of fame. Um, and, um, it's just like so weird. Like, this is just going to be a very weird WrestleMania. Like, it's going to be a very 
studio-produced WrestleMania, which is like, I kind of feel bad for the people who are who are supposed to have great WrestleMania moments, right? Like, this is Drew McIntyre's moment at WrestleMania. Um, it's Rhea Ripley's WrestleMania, first WrestleMania, and like, these people who... Um, it's The Fiend, his first WrestleMania. It's not Bray Wyatt's first WrestleMania, but The Fiend at WrestleMania and, like, entering through a stadium, like, it's not gonna happen. Um, so it's just, like, it's gonna be so weird just seeing WrestleMania at the Performance Center, but it'll also be intriguing to see how WWE pulls it off because WWE, what they're good at is pulling things off in times of crisis, times of struggle. Do I think it's going to be a great WrestleMania? Probably not. But it definitely will be a very memorable one. So if you have any thoughts, comments, anything, uh, or any questions for me on my feelings about WrestleMania, uh, you could always uh, reach out to me. Um, and uh, I'll give you all the plugs later on. And uh, I I don't know, maybe I'll answer questions. Maybe I'll... I don't know, I haven't really thought about that. Um, but... I'll continue to, uh, we'll see how this WrestleMania situation evolves. I've heard, like, rumors that it might get moved to Madison Square Garden in June, but who knows what's going to happen right now. I think from WWE's standpoint, it's kind of just, like, they have to take the business hit this year because, like, how are, what's going to happen with all those paydays? Like, WrestleMania is the biggest payday for all these wrestlers on the on the match card. What's going to happen there? Like, are they going to get the same payment as they would with a stadium full of people? It, I don't know. It's very, very intriguing situation. Um, but we will see, and hopefully it's a good WrestleMania. But if it's not, I'm not going to blame WWE for um, doing their best with adjusting to the circumstances in the world right now. And with that, we are going to move to our... Next segment, which is the redrew. The redrew segment is a review um, of the week's shows in wrestling. Um, mainly WWE shows and AEW shows, because those are the only two that I can actually watch. I I don't have uh, Honor Club or whatever it is for Ring of Honor. I don't have the New Japan subscription, anything like that. Um, but I do have WWE Network, um, and obviously I can get AEW on uh, TNT. So the redrew is my overall impression of the show, and you'll start to realize that I have a very odd rating system. Um, and I'm not really sure how to define the rating system, and at this point, I'm not going to define the rating system. Um, so we'll start with Raw, my overall impression of Raw. Uh, Raw was from the Performance Center. It was WWE's second show from the Performance Center with no crowd, no audience whatsoever, and, uh... I didn't think it was that great. I thought SmackDown was a little more intriguing. And uh, Raw didn't... I didn't think uh, Raw had as a entertaining a moment. And for that reason, I'm giving Raw the 
the redrew of an Uno card game. Uh, so, you know, it's something that Uno is, it's all right. It's not something I prefer, but I'll play it. So that's how I felt about this Raw. It wasn't something that I preferred, but I watched it and didn't have too many problems with it. It was just kind of like a lackluster show. Um, and it really shows how much the audience is important and that extra sound in the presentation is to wrestling. Um, so moving on to NXT, man... NXT was rough. I'm going to be honest. I'm the type of wrestling fan where uh, I watch promos. And uh, other than that, I like fast forward through a lot of it. So I have a very biased type of um, review and way of um, uh, rating these shows. So, like, if there's a match on, I usually just fast forward through a match. Like, it's so much content. It's just a lot of content. I fast forward through matches. I like watching the storylines. I'll fast forward to the end of the match, or if, like, something happens, if I see it on the screen, I'll press play to watch that. But other than that, I really fast forward through a lot of the wrestling. Um... I'll fast forward through, like, video packages, stuff like that. Um, I'll fast forward through, like, replays of previous weeks. Anything that's like that, I, I pretty much skip. Um, I get the gist of what the, what what's going on. Um, and then, you know, I move forward. Uh, so I don't have to watch every, all 10 hours of wrestling a week or whatever it is, 10, 11 Um because this is a crazy amount. Um, so NXT, I really did not watch a lot of. Um, because it was all video packages. Like the whole first hour was reviewing the Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano storyline. Which I've been watching NXT. I know what's happened. Uh, I've been watching it for years. So like... I already knew what the story was. I fast forward through all of that. Um, because I keep up with the product each week, I don't need those replays as a reminder. I, I've seen it, uh, and I remember it. Um, so I did watch the Tom Phillips and Triple H segments when they were in the studio, just like pitching to the next video package. But other than that, it was a rough show. Um, I probably, it took me maybe 10 minutes total to watch it because I fast forwarded through all of the video packages. Um, so I'm, I gave NXT the rating of old country music, something that really wasn't for me, didn't really draw my attention. Um, I watched it because I feel like obligated to watch it, but other than that, uh, not, wasn't, was, was not something that I really enjoyed. Um, and I'd like to know your thoughts on how do you watch wrestling? How do you consume your wrestling? Are you like me who kind of fast forwards through matches? Or do you watch the whole show? Because if you watch the whole show, uh, good on you. Because it's a lot. It's a lot to get through. It's a lot of time to commit to something. Um, to just an entertainment um, forum. Um, so let me know. Um, I'll give the plugs later on in the in the uh, podcast, as I keep saying. 
Um, so stick around for that so you can reach out and let me know. Uh, as for SmackDown rounding out WWE's shows for the week, uh, this week's SmackDown uh, was... Uh, it seemed like a little bit of, uh, of a repetitive uh, um, and like a rehash of last week's show. So last week's show, SmackDown, it was the first... Uh, SmackDown from the Performance Center where there was no audience. So that was unique. It was kind of cool to watch because it was just like very odd that there was no crowd. This week it was the same thing and now we had seen SmackDown and Raw from the Performance Center with no audience. So we kind of already knew what WWE was doing here. And so for this third show at the Performance Center, they were, WWE used pretty much all of the same wrestlers uh, that they did last week. Um, and so it didn't seem as fresh. Um, and there would just was, um, a little bit more bland than I was hoping. And so I'm giving SmackDown this week, the rating of shoveling snow because, uh, I didn't particularly love it, but I don't mind it. So that's why SmackDown's getting shoveling snow. Plus, shoveling and snow both start with S, and so does SmackDown. And I literally just made that connection right now. That was not my intention, but there that is. So now moving on to AEW and AEW Dynamite this week. Now, originally, AEW was supposed to be in Rochester, which um, hope, which is the closest location to where I live, but I was not going. I was not planning on going. They had to move that because the coronavirus down to Daly's Place in Jacksonville, where the Cons own uh, the building, because the Con family owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they own that arena forum, the amphitheater, whatever. I don't. I'm not really sure what, how to describe it, what to call it. AEW also had no crowd, but. What really helped AEW was, one, they saw how WWE was handling it, and I think they saw a lot of the um, criticism that WWE was getting about the not, the no audience in the, um, in the shows, because the audience is a huge part of wrestling, and that was made clear on Raw and SmackDown. Um, so when AEW came on Wednesday, they didn't have fans in the crowd, but they put wrestlers in the crowd. And so there was uh, Sean Spears, MJF, um, Tully Blanchard. They had Jake the Snake, uh, Lance Archer. They had Colt Cabana. They had all of SCU, um, Sonny Kiss, and Joey Janela in the audience. Uh, at least having some sort of noise for the wrestling, which really enhanced the broadcast compared to what WWE was doing. Um, and it was just a small amount of noise, but it made such a difference because it felt more interactive because that's wrestling is supposed to be interactive. There's supposed to be chance and, uh, the audience engaging with whatever's going on in the ring or during that segment on the show. And with WWE this week, there was none of that. But AEW, they did a little bit of that. So they had like a pseudo crowd with other wrestlers that weren't uh, 
wrestling on the show, but they were in the crowd. So that was cool, and AEW really hit a home run with this. Um, I'm giving AEW Dynamite this week the rating of a pizza because I absolutely loved it. It was something unique and different, but it really took the take... Uh, they really took the take on no audience and spun it and made a great show out of it. I mean, this might have been AEW's most entertaining show or best show. And AEW sometimes is a little bit more difficult for me to watch because I do watch AEW live. I, I have uh, I watch AEW and NXT live because I have two TVs that I set up. Um, I put AEW on one and NXT on the other. And... Uh, I could obviously pay a lot more attention to AEW with what was going on in NXT, which was really nothing. And um, NXT, or sorry, AEW just uh, made me feel invested in it. Because AEW, typically, it's a very wrestling-heavy show. So I kind of, like, zone out during the wrestling. Um, and AEW certainly getting a lot better with their storylines and um, promoting storylines. That was one of their main criticisms a few months ago when AEW Dynamite first started was like, there wasn't really a lot of storyline. It was just a lot of wrestling. Um, so like fans like me were kind of left out like, yeah, the wrestling's cool, but I want stories. Well, now AEW is getting a lot of stories in and they put on an awesome show. Um, if you didn't see AEW Dynamite this week, that was the show of the week, uh, 100%. Easily. It was fun. It was escape from reality. And they still um, they still fit within all the parameters and requirements of the restrictions of what's going on with the coronavirus. So uh, kudos, congratulations to AEW, the whole staff, the production team, everybody who put on that show in Daily's Place, because that was a really fun, really entertaining show. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is entitled, What Drew Money? Money is a segment of my favorite moments of the shows from this week in wrestling. Uh, drawing money is a wrestling term. If you draw money, you're doing well. Um, and so really, this is my uh, uh, congratulatory type of segment of the things that I really like the best. So starting with Raw this week, I really enjoyed Edge's promo. He came out, he ha had a lot of passion um, really drew me in for the storyline. And this Randy Orton Edge storyline has been the best storyline in all of wrestling, in my opinion, in the last uh, month, month, two months since Royal Rumble. They've really made this. Randy Orton, when he is motivated, is, there's really nobody better. He's so good. Um, he is smooth in the ring. He's great at the subtleties, the small little details. 
Randy is awesome, and he's really moved this story forward, and now Edge is back. Edge challenged Randy to a last man standing match at WrestleMania, which will be uh, pretty cool to see with no crowd, see how that uh, unfolds. Um, but that Edge promo uh, that started the Raw show was really, really cool. Um, then uh, the second thing that I really enjoyed from Raw, and there really wasn't too much to enjoy for me, was the AJ Styles Undertaker promo that continued their storyline. Undertaker came out, but he looked like American Badass Undertaker. He didn't look like Dead Man Undertaker, uh, which I thought was an interesting take. AJ has been um, talking badly about Undertaker's wife, Michelle McCool, and his family, and making it really, really personal. Um, so this was supposed to be a contract signing, which WWE is doing a lot of contract signings now. Like they, they, this was a contract signing on raw and then they had a contract signing on SmackDown, which I guess you really can't do too much. Um, but like repeatedly doing the same thing is a little lackluster in my opinion, but this AJ undertaker, um, promo contract signing segment was, Cool, because Undertaker came out, and then AJ Styles didn't come out. He talked from the back. He signed the contract. He sent uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson down to the ring to give the Undertaker the contract to sign. Undertaker ends up beating up the club, the Good Brothers, the OC, whatever we're calling them now. And uh, Undertaker signs the contract. Um... I enjoyed this because it was different from a lot of contract signings. Most contract signings are very, very similar. Um, it's pretty much most contract signings are what you uh, what we saw in SmackDown, where it's both the people in the ring or everybody in the ring, and then it ends up being like the table gets flipped over and usually breaks out into a brawl, and it's uh, it's pretty predictable. This was less predictable. It was not it was not like that. Uh, so it was unique, and I like I like unique. Um, anything unique, uh, especially in wrestling, because like everything has been done at this point, um, is good. On NXT, there was really nothing good for me, other than a couple of Triple H's lines that he said to Tom Phillips. So I'm just gonna skip right over NXT because nothing really drew money for me on NXT. SmackDown-wise, this week, I thought Sami Zayn on commentary during the tab team match between uh, Drew Gulak... Uh, Drew Gulak? Uh, Gulak? Gulak? It's Gul yeah, Gulak is his finishing move. Drew Gulak, Daniel Bryan, and then Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Sami's great. Sami is... He's supposed to be annoying, and uh, he's entertaining, he's funny... He's quick-witted, uh, so putting him on commentary was very cool for that match. Um, and then I also liked Roman Reigns' brief promo um, with him and Goldberg in the ring doing the contract signing at the end of the show. Um, it was intense, it was passionate, short, sweet, concise, to the point, um, but it got the message across to promote the promote the match so uh that was really cool um and uh roman reigns i think a lot of us fans 
don't give Roman Reigns a lot of credit. We try to be cynical and, oh, he's, you know, Vince's golden boy and blah, 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 blah. But, but Roman is a great performer. Um, like, just looking at objectively, Roman really is a very good entertainer. Um, so that was very good by Roman. And those are really the only two great moments for me for uh, SmackDown. Side note, I'm not like a I'm not a big fan of WWE showing pay-per-view matches from previous pay-per-views to fill time on the shows. I understand why they're doing it. Um, they're trying to have as little staff as possible, little um, wrestlers or, or whoever, little production crew as possible on the show so that everybody is as safe as possible, as healthy as possible. But, like, I've already seen these matches, and I have the WWE Network, so it's not a novelty to me. Um, I can go back and watch these matches at any time. Like, they showed Bray Wyatt and John Cena from WrestleMania 30 on SmackDown. They showed the Royal Rumble from this previous year on Raw. Um, And it's like, I mean... I already have this on demand. I can go and watch this whenever. I know that WWE is trying to give people more bang for their buck. Uh, this is a typical WWE thing. They're trying to give fans more than what they usually would give fans because of the circumstances. So they're trying to give something better than what would typically be on the show. But I just want a regular show. Like I just want storylines to be progressed. I don't want to see replays of what happened previously. I want to see things move forward, not things go backwards for... Like, the Royal Rumble took up more than half of Raw's show. And it was, like, almost two hours of the show. It was, like, an hour 30, hour 45, which, like, I I get why they're putting it on there. And I love the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is my favorite match of the whole year it's the thing that gets me most excited um during uh during the road to wrestlemania like the royal rumble is the best but it just like that doesn't do it for me when i'm watching raw i watch raw to watch raw i watch smackdown to watch smackdown i don't watch them to watch something that i could watch on the wwe network at any time um so moving on to AEW and what drew money for me, what I liked for AEW. There's a lot here because AEW, as I said in the previous segment with the redrew, uh, AEW really put on a great show. Cody Rhodes promo to start the show was awesome. Cody is probably my favorite wrestler right now um, who's active. He just brings so much realism and it's like old school intensity and passion um to what he's doing to the product that he's putting out he's you know he's not the best wrestler he's not kenny omega um but he is a great storyteller and that's what i love about it his promo was awesome you know uh he kind of addressed coronavirus and what was going on but also uh segued into what is going on in AEW and talking about blood and guts, which is just their like war games match, but they can't call it war games because WWE owns war games, the copyrights have the trademark for that. 
So they, they're calling it this double cage match, blood and guts, between the inner circle and uh, and the elite. And I thought it did. I thought Cody's promo did a good job of addressing the situation of what was happening with no crowd, but also moving forward the storyline, moving towards blood and guts. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I also liked the wrestlers in the crowd. I thought it was a cool little twist that AEW threw in there. It gave just enough noise in the background for um, for the show to seem a little bit more normal and unique instead of just silence in the background. I really liked Colt Cabana's promo as well. Um, it's cool seeing Colt on TV because he's, he's an independent wrestler. I've listened to his podcast a long, long, long time. So I've been supporting Colt Cabana in that way, but haven't been watching Ring of Honor or any other shows he's been on. Um, and then now that he's on AEW, it's just so cool to see that Colt is um, kind of getting what he deserves. You know, he's getting his flowers, as uh, some people say. You know, he's really soaking in the moment that he deserves. He's worked very hard. Um... The next thing was the Exalted One being revealed that I really liked. That was Brody Lee. You know, it's uh, kind of lousy that there was no crowd to experience this moment. But it also made it cool. Because now Brody Lee, formerly Luke Harper, is in AEW. He's a part of this faction, the Dark Order. And uh, it's the storyline has progressed with the SCU and the Dark Order. And now we have a new uh, member to the Dark Order. We have a new fold in the storyline, a new um, uh, something new to uh, deal with and, and play with and help the storylines move forward. So Brody Lee was a cool little surprise. I expected it a little bit, but um, it was nice to see him trimmed his beard a little bit. And uh, I look forward to watching him more on AEW. Uh, the next thing on Dynamite that I really enjoyed was Jericho on commentary. Jericho's awesome. I mean, Jericho is so good, especially this character that he has now. Um, and putting him on commentary, he's entertained, much like Sami Zayn's commentary on SmackDown, he's highly entertaining, highly quick-witted, so fun to just listen to. I listen to Jericho's podcast every single week. Uh, and he's just an entertaining guy. So anytime you can get him on the mic, it's awesome. And then at the end of AEW, when Vanguard 1 flies in, and, you know, you realize, you know, what's happening, and that Matt Hardy is debuting, it was such a cool touch that they had Vanguard 1 fly in, and, you know, Jericho was going off on his little spiel about how great the inner circle is, and the inner circle is now going to have the advantage for blood and guts, which is, you know, pretty typical for this type of match, blood and guts and war games. The bad guys always have the uh, the advantage in the match. They, they always do. They always have the extra man coming in. So that wasn't a surprise to me, but Matt Hardy's showing up at AEW. And although this wasn't a huge surprise, as Matt Hardy had been showing on his free delete uh free the delete uh show on YouTube with the Young Bucks that you know hinting that he was going to go to AEW um it was just nice to see him cuz Matt is somebody who uh clearly is very entertaining uh, if you've watched WWE watch along 
the pay-per-views um, uh, for WWE have a, a show that goes along with it. It's called Watch Along that they put on YouTube. And it's just a bunch of people watching the pay-per-view at the arena. And Matt Hardy had been consistently on that. And Matt's so entertaining and you know has great knowledge of wrestling. He's been wrestling for uh, 25 years at this point. So it was just like really, really cool to finally see him back at a uh, spot where it looks like his creativity is going to be uh, utilized in the best proper way. I mean, he did some great stuff with Randy Orton before he left WWE. It's not like he got buried or whatever you want to call it because he was on TV. If WWE wanted to uh, bury him or, you know, make his value less, they just wanted to put him on TV. So Matt showing up in AEW was a cool change and it's something to look forward to as he goes forward um, with AEW and uh, now we are going to move on to the next segment which is the Drew Count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got that! I can't believe it! Nobody's ever kicked out of that! The Drew Count segment is a spin off of uh, a two count in wrestling where uh, the moment isn't 100% complete. The uh, wrestler didn't complete uh, uh, what they wanted to accomplish. So these, the Drew Count, are uh, moments in the shows that were a little bit off, that didn't feel 100% complete to me. Um, wasn't necessarily things that I didn't like. It was just things that kind of felt a little, little bit off and not totally complete. So for Raw... Um, the, uh, only segment that I really thought was a little off was surprisingly the Stone Cold Steve Austin segment. Now, usually Stone Cold comes out and, uh, does, he's highly entertaining. He's the biggest star in professional wrestling, like, ever. He's the highest, you know, he, he went the highest that he could possibly go. Nobody has reached that level of stardom in that amount of time that uh they were wrestling stone cold is the man he is the guy he is the main event he is the person that's going to go on last no matter what you just can't he's he's the best steve is the best i listen to his podcast he's so entertaining he's funny um and it's just like Man, this guy is uh he's 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 special. There's no nothing else to describe him as other than, you know, he's great. Um he's a legend. And um uh, his segment was oddly not good. So it's like weird to say like, "Oh, you would think, oh, Steve Austin's going to be on. It's going to be a great segment no matter what." But it it wasn't. It was like a weird he was saying it was 316 day which is based off of uh which is a wrestling uh um holiday i guess is what we call it uh observance that march 16th is 316 day because of stone cold steve austin's famous austin 316 where he made the promo after winning king of the ring saying austin 316 says i just whooped your ass and then, you know, he sold a whole bunch of t-shirts with Austin 316 on them. He continu- he continues to sell a whole bunch of t-shirts with Austin 316 on it or whatever 316 on it. Um, tons of parody shirts of Austin 316. Um, so he was there March 16th because of Stone Cold Steve Austin Day in the wrestling world. 
And then he was just like reading off of a notes cards of things you could do on 316 day. And then he was like looking to Byron Saxton for rating his his uh, jokes or whatever he was saying. What are the scenarios that he was saying? Which is like Stone Cold doesn't need any <laughs> any sort of validation from uh, anybody. Um, so <laughs> it was just like weird. Um, and you knew where it was going. Eventually, he was gonna give a stunner to somebody and do a, a you know beer bath and uh, drink a few uh, Broken Skull IPAs, which is his beer. But it was just it was bizarre. Like, and it was weird. Stone Cold gets the biggest reactions, and for him to come out to a silent crowd or a silent because there's no to no crowd because there's no audience. Like, this is weird. This is really, really, really bizarre. Uh, so it didn't really feel right to me nxt a lot of stuff didn't feel right to me so i'm i'm gonna uh go right past that because there was really nothing for me on nxt um and i don't really want to uh harp on them nxt is a great show nxt is uh maybe the best wrestling show consistently on a weekly basis uh like aew has its moments SmackDown's done very good recently. Raw for a while is, was pretty good. And now it's falling off um, because of the uh, the no audience shows. But like NXT, you could always consistently. It's a good show. It's a NXT is a good mix of wrestling and promo and storylines. They have a good formula. Um, but moving right to SmackDown, the beginning of SmackDown started out with Mojo Rawley, Rob Gronkowski. Um, Baron Corbin and Elias doing this, uh, promo where, uh, Michael Cole announces that Gronk is going to host WrestleMania. Um, and then Baron came out and he was, uh, talking smack to Gronk and Mojo and Gronk and Mojo were doing their thing, acting like a bunch of idiots, you know, just (laughs) being hype and whatever, having fun. Elias comes out, sings a little song to Baron, and then Gronk sets up a match between Corbin and Elias at WrestleMania. It just didn't didn't connect with me. It didn't feel right. Um, and maybe that's because like Mojo isn't enough big of a star yet for me. Like he's not over, uh, is what a lot of wrestling fans say. He's not over yet, brother. Um, Gronk, yeah, I mean. Uh, he's uh, he's kind of just this fun loving doofus, um, and Baron Corbin's uh, usually pretty good. I like Baron Corbin. I've always liked Baron Corbin, even since NXT when he had that lone wolf character. I've always just had something that I've connected with with Baron, and he's so good. He and he gets such a great reaction. People just boo him so badly. There's not a lot of people that like Baron Corbin and give him the reaction that. Uh, typically Baron uh, shouldn't get. Like, a, a lot of bad guys in wrestling are, like, cool bad guys, so they'll get, like, you know, some of the crowd cheering for him. Baron Corbin really doesn't get that reaction. Baron Corbin is a bad guy's bad guy. People don't like him, and he's a, he's such a good performer because, of, like, he's so good at what he does that people don't think he's cool. Um, and I've just had this weird affinity for Baron Corbin um, since NXT and that lone wolf character, he's got a cool entrance. He's got a cool look. Um, 
wrestling-wise, I don't know. I'm not the biggest technical wrestling uh, geek anyway. So, like, that stuff doesn't really matter too much to me. Um, but his character is awesome. I, I love it. Um, and he was good, but the rest just didn't, didn't really connect. Elias is great, too, but Elias as a good guy doesn't really connect with me as well. Elias is a funny character. Um, in NXT, I really did not like Elias. Elias did not work in NXT, in my opinion. I was so glad that he was gone. And then when he showed up in WWE, or I guess on the on Raw and SmackDown, the main shows at that time, um, it was just like, oh, no, not this guy. Like, this guy stinks. But then he evolved over time. Elias is a great character. Elias, I think, is just uh, one of those characters that's not meant for NXT. He's meant for Raw and SmackDown, the way the shows are made. Which is uh, interesting, because a lot of wrestlers that come from NXT... Not a lot, but some wrestlers that come from NXT are very meant for NXT, and then when they get to Raw and SmackDown, because it's a different type of show, different type of production, they just don't work as well uh, on Raw and SmackDown. So uh, Elias is the opposite. Elias is a guy who's wasn't it didn't really work in NXT for me, and then now on the main roster, he's been awesome. And I'm glad he's going to get a WrestleMania match. Finally, because he deserves it. He's been performing at WrestleMania the last few years, getting interrupted by John Cena. Oops, sorry, I just hit the mic. Um, so that just, like, blew out your uh, headphones. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but, yeah, that was a that was an odd segment. And then speaking of odd segments, the uh, Bailey-Sasha Banks-Page segment was a little weird for me, too. Um... Paige was Skyping in from Los Angeles, and Bailey and Sasha were in the ring, and it was, like, it didn't really flow that well, um, and Bailey's really, really trying hard to be a bad guy, um, and I'm gonna give a pretty controversial take here and say that, uh, to me, Sasha Banks is overrated, um, I've just never really connected with Sasha Banks. Um, I just feel like she tries too hard to be the boss character instead of it being like a natural extension of her personality. And all the best uh, sports entertainers, all the best wrestlers are just like extensions of their personality in some way. And to me, it doesn't seem like Sasha is like that. Um, like even the you know, like, cocky side of her. Like, I don't feel like Sasha's like that. And Bailey's, Bailey is trying very hard to be a bad guy um, and, like, be annoying, but it's just, like, not working for me. And Paige, I've really never had uh, an affinity for, and Paige has never really connected with me either. So, like, out of the three of them, Bailey I liked as the hugger uh, character. I thought Bailey... Um, I, I really enjoy Bailey, and, uh, now that she has this new character, like, it's good that she's, uh, evolving, um, but I think she's just in this, like, uh, um, weird state of, like, you know, finding her new character. Granted, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I've just been watching wrestling a long time. <laughs> I've never been a wrestler. I've never, uh, cut a promo on anybody, uh, I've never wrestled a minute in my life, 
on just a dude who stares at his screen when wrestling is on. Uh, so you can take that all with a grain of salt. Um, if you agree, awesome. If you don't agree, also awesome. Like, you're entitled to your opinion as well. This segment with Sasha, Bailey, and Paige just didn't connect with me. They announced a match at WrestleMania. It's going to be a six-pack challenge for the SmackDown Women's Championship. The big turn on that was, um, uh, that Sasha is going to be in the match, too. Um... I don't know. I'm not really super excited for that match. Segment just didn't do it for me there. Finally, we move to AEW Dynamite. And things that didn't feel complete to me on AEW Dynamite. First was the uh, Jurassic Express and Butcher and Blade finish to the match. The end of the match. It seemed like it was very odd. There was some like weird uh, miscommunication. Jungle Boy... Uh, went to do what looked like a suicide dive, like hit the ropes to do a suicide dive, but the butcher wasn't standing up outside, so uh, Jungle Boy's like awkwardly went, <laughs> like stopped his running and went out of the ropes normally and then like kicked the butcher while Luchasaurus pinned the blade. Uh, who's Pepper Parks. Um, yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was very, very awkward looking, and uh, I, I don't know. I don't know really what else to say about that. Uh, the other thing that really didn't connect with me on AEW in an otherwise great show was the Best Friends promo on the stage. Um, and I don't know a lot about the Best Friends, so maybe it's just like me not being uh educated enough on their characters but it's like chuck taylor seems like he tries too hard to be that like jerky cool type of funny guy like class clown type of guy um Trent, I like Trent a little bit better orange cassidy's awesome i mean it's good can we just admit that orange cassidy what he is doing is so entertaining. The, like, nonchalantness, the not doing anything, the, like, not, the ambivalence of his character is just so cool. Um, he has this special, like, mystique around him. Um, but, I don't know, the, the promo didn't really land for me because they were like, oh, we'll challenge uh, the Death Triangle to... A street fight? No, we'll challenge him to a parking lot brawl. Like, why didn't you just say parking lot brawl originally? Just like, why? I didn't understand it. I didn't know. Were they trying to be funny? Were they trying to fill time? I don't know. I just didn't really, didn't really get it. Um, I don't ring in ring wise. I don't. You know, I don't have any problem with the uh, the best friends or anything that they do in ring wise. That that promo just didn't. Uh, land for me, which is uh, odd, because on uh, Being the Elite, the Young Bucks um, YouTube channel, the best friends are some of the best segments on there. They're so funny, like, naturally, genuinely funny, like, just being themselves. And it seemed like uh, in this promo on Dynamite, they, uh, they were, or at least Chuck was, like, they're trying to be funny, instead of just, like, being themselves and just being naturally funny um so that was uh that was uh the drew count
and we will uh, move on to our uh, our plugs. If you have made it this far, thank you so much for listening to this because this is really a big time experiment for me. As I said, I don't know a lot about broadcasting. I don't claim to be this hardcore fan of wrestling. I'm just a guy who likes watching wrestling and being entertained by wrestling, and I wanted to share that passion with others as an escape for myself um, and something I wanted to do for a while, and hopefully it is the same for you. It's an escape uh, for a little bit of time to just get your mind off of whatever's going on in your life. Um, so I promised that I would give all of my plugs uh, here at the end of the show, and uh, all my plugs are the same exact handle. Um, I'm on Gmail, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can find me all at DWOPod. Um, or you can search Drew World Order Podcasts. This is going to be posted on SoundCloud, uh, on uh, the Perfect Catch Podcast um, homepage, which is a, a podcast I've been doing uh, with my, uh, partner for about a year and a half now, uh, well, almost a year and a half, and, um, so, uh, I'm not gonna pay for another SoundCloud, uh, account, I feel like that's, uh, a little much, so, since I already have that account, um, you'll find this, uh, episode on that, on, on that SoundCloud page, um, thank you for listening, as I said, if you want to send me an email, it is at dwopod, or, uh, yes, dwopod at gmail.com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I'm all dwopod, um, at dwopod. Um, hashtag dwo on any social media. Um, and uh, search Drew World Order Podcast uh, if you want to try and find me. Uh, leave a comment, uh, share, like, retweet, repost, um, whatever you want to do, um, be interactive, um, and, uh, I will, uh, do my best to get back to you, um, I'm not making any promises, um, give me your ideas, give me some, uh, thoughts, give me, uh, any 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 feedback that you would like, uh, I'm always gonna welcome feedback. Um, if you liked the show, awesome. Um, I don't know how often I'm going to be posting. Probably for a while now, uh, at least while I like all this coronavirus stuff is going on and I'm not working and I have the time, I'll be at least doing probably a weekly podcast. I have some ideas for like doing a watch along, um, for example, like um, watching, um, the very first Raw, I've never seen it, that's about an hour, and doing a watch-along and doing commentary to that, but if you have any other ideas for what you want to hear, um, what you enjoyed, what you thought I could work on, please share your thoughts, um, at DWOPod, um, or reach out to me through Gmail, uh, DWOPod, uh, at gmail.com, um, and I hope your listening experience was Drew Sweet.